All right, uh, Hebrews chapter 11, and we want to, uh, I want to read down in verse, uh, skip down here. Of course, this is the, uh, the great hall of faith. We're going to read in verse number 32 and a few verses after that. Uh, this is one of the reasons that we have an Old Testament Scripture. The Bible says in the book of Romans that, we, that God has given us the Old Testament Scriptures uh, to encourage our faith that we, through patience and comfort of the Scriptures, might have hope. So through our reading of the Old Testament Scripture, which are, of course, Hebrews chapter 11 is all about the Old Testament Scripture. All right, and the, and the narratives and the events that happen in the Old Testament. And, uh, and so through that, our faith can be strengthened. Our faith can be helped. And uh, we're going to read verse number 32, and, uh, and then we'll pray. Okay, verse 32, picking up in the middle of the passage where a number of these, uh, these, these characters, these different figures in the Old Testament and their faith has, is being pointed out. The Bible says, And what shall I more say? For the time would fail me to tell of Gideon, that's Gideon, and of Barak, and of Samson, and of Jephthah, of David also, and Samuel, and of the prophets, who through faith subdued kingdoms, wrought righteousness, obtained promises, stopped the mouths of lions, quenched the violence of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, out of weakness were made strong, waxed valiant in fight, turned to flight the armies of the aliens. Women received their dead raised to life again, and others were tortured, not accepting deliverance, that they might obtain a better resurrection." And others had trial of cruel mockings and scourgings, yea, moreover, of bonds and imprisonment. They were stoned, they were sawn asunder, were tempted, were slain with the sword. They wandered about in sheepskins and goatskins, being destitute, afflicted, tormented. So much for the idea that if you're faithful to God, all, nothing but good things happen to you. Verse 38, of whom the world was not worthy, they wandered in deserts and in mountains and in dens and caves of the earth. And these all, having obtained a good report through faith, received not the promise. God, having provided some better thing for us, that they without us should not be made perfect. Let's pray. Father, as we come before you for, uh, for this uh, time right now, we pray, we ask, Lord, that you would send your spirit and a manifestation that is, of your Spirit and His power, uh, to move among us, to stir us up, and to remind us of these things that, we're, uh, that we want to study here this morning. Father, this is your Word. This is not our ideas or our thoughts. So I, I pray that you would direct our minds and hearts. Lord, help me to know what to say and help your people, of course, to know how to receive these things. And Lord, we just want your name to be glorified. I pray the gospel would be exalted uh, through the message this morning. And Lord, if there's someone here or someone listening that does not yet know the Lord Jesus Christ, I pray that today you would prick their hearts and that you would uh, make them to see that they really and truly need you. Uh, bless our time together in your word. In Jesus' name, amen. 
Now, in verse number 33, there is a, I'm sorry, verse 32, there is a mention of Gideon. Now, Gideon, of course, the whole story of Gideon occurs in only three chapters in the Bible. Three chapters. And, of course, what Gideon is known for, several things he's known for, uh, uh, are the, of course, the instance with the fleece. And I, I hope to talk about that some at some point today. Uh, but also for the great battle, and of course we know that we, we're reminded of the, the battle where uh, 32,000 was reduced to 300, and then he fought a battle with 300. And so what you have in, the, in Hebrews chapter 11 and in the mention of Gideon is Gideon is lifted up and set forth as an example of faith. As an example of faith. So when we read Judges chapter 6, seven, and eight, what we have to keep in mind, despite what we're reading, is we have to keep in mind that the theme of those chapters is faith. Gideon's faith. Okay. Now, it says here uh, that it, down in verse number 34, and especially verse, uh, yeah, verse 34, I want to read it again. It says, those that had faith, they, they exercised faith in God and acted upon His Word by faith. The Bible says they quenched the violence of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, out of weakness were made strong, waxed valiant in fight, turned to flight the armies of the aliens. You know, if you we're, we're going to look at Judges chapter 6, and we're going to look at the story of Gideon in some detail here in a minute, but when you read Judges chapter 6, of course, you see the theme of faith. You can't go to, you can't go to battle with 135,000 soldiers with 300 men at the command of God without faith. Faith is the motivating factor. Faith is why Gideon acted the way he did. And so faith is, there's no doubt faith is in, in throughout the, the life of Gideon. But one thing that jumps out of the page and it becomes really painfully obvious about the life of Gideon is not faith. There's a lot of other things in Judges 6 and 7 that aren't really faith. But yet faith is the thing in Gideon's life that's pointed out and brought to the forefront for us to see it. The reality is that Gideon was a weak and fearful man. Gideon was... Um, Gideon was not so much a man who would, you know, when you read Judges 6 and 7, you don't think, well, that man is just a man who has faith. Now, if you look at the life maybe of Moses or various other figures in the Scripture, you might get the impression that they were people who just had, maybe you call it natural faith or something like that. But Gideon is not that person. Gideon is a weak person. Over and over in Judges chapter 6 and 7, his weakness is brought out. And, and so I want to look at that. Because in, in, in Hebrews chapter 11, it says here in verse 34 that those that had faith in God and acted on that faith, it says, out of weakness were made strong. You see that? Their weakness is pointed out. And then furthermore, it says, waxed valiant in, fi in fight. In other words, they were not naturally courageous, but by faith they received that courage that, that made them so well known as being valiant. But naturally, maybe they weren't valiant. They became valiant by faith. 
All right? So let's look at Judges chapter 6, if you would. Judges is the seventh book of the Bible. Judges chapter 6, and we will start in verse 1. Now, what I want to do is I want to read uh, a portion of this kind of intermittently to get the story of Judges before we kind of get into what's going on here. So, the Midianites, uh, the children of Israel, of course, if you've ever studied the book of Judges, I, to be honest, I don't like reading the book of Judges. Why? Because it is a depressing book. Someone at the Bible college where I teach, they, they were uh, preaching last Friday, and they said that the book of Judges was their favorite book of the Bible. And I was like, what are you talking about? Book of Judges is hard reading because the book of Judges is a story of the children of Israel who have been given so many blessings, they turn away from God to serve idols, and so God sends them punishments and chastisements to turn them back. And when they finally cry out to God, God sends a judge. And the judge goes to war against their enemies, saves them from their enemies, and during the life period of that judge, the, the lifetime of that judge, they basically serve God, but not really all that, are that, all that heartily. They serve God kind of tepidly. And because the Bible says of the period of the judges that every, you, you know the, the theme of the book of Judges, right? Every man did that which was right in his own eyes. A lot of you uh, know that phrase. That's from the book of Judges. It's mentioned at the beginning and the end. So the book of Judges is just hard reading. And it's a, there's a lot of bad, and it's just depressing. I read it, and I just get depressed. And so, once again, in verse 1 of chapter 6, children of Israel have sinned against God. They've turned away from God. They're serving false gods. And so, naturally, God wanting, in His goodness, wanting to bring them back to Himself, He takes his protection off of them and their enemies come in to their land and oppress them. And this is a special, uh, uh, an especially difficult time because they would sow their fields and they would put their flocks out to graze. And the Midianites, right about the time the harvest come along, the Midianites and these other groups would come in and steal all of the harvest and all of their animals and they would be left with nothing. That's a hard life. And the Bible says, I believe it happened for Seven years this happened. And so finally, verse 6 says, Israel was greatly impoverished because of Midianite, the Midianites. And the children of Israel cried unto the Lord. There it is. Listen, if there's one lesson we can draw from the book of Judges once we try to, when we try to pull ourselves out of the depression, is this. Whenever evil comes upon us, the very first thing we must do is call upon God. That should be step one. Not, listen, I know sometimes we use this terminology and we say, well, I've done everything I can do, now I'm going to pray. No, 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 no. When, we're, when we meet with evil and, and difficulty or controversy or, or, uh, or affliction, our first, our first move should be to call upon the Lord. We shouldn't wait until, until the, the end of it because sometimes affliction comes upon us out of our own disobedience and sometimes not out of our own disobedience. But in either case, we should cry unto the Lord first. First. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. Now, I know that context is not talking about affliction. It's talking about provision. But there is a principle there. Seeking God first. And so they cried unto the Lord in verse 6, 
And uh, so God decided he's going to deliver them. He sends a prophet. Of course, the Lord always, whenever, whenever affliction comes upon us as a result of our disobedience, and that does happen, it's called chastening. It's called correction. And if you don't have that, listen, if you don't, this is not my message at all, but if you don't have that in your life, you're not a child of God. If you sin against God, especially on a, in, a repeated, in a repeated manner, and God does not correct you, you're not a child of God, according to the Bible. God did that to them. These were God's people. He corrected them. And when God sends affliction to us to correct us, now I'm not saying every time something bad happens to us is because we're in sin. No, I'm not saying that at all. But sometimes that happens. And, and when God does that, He always tells us why. You know, just like when you say when you, when you discipline your children, you need to tell them why. You know, of course, you know, that's, that, that should be obvious. So God tells them, the children of Israel, what they have done through a prophet. But God has decided because they've cried unto him, he's told them what's happening and why it's happening. God has decided to deliver them in his mercy. And he does that throughout the book of Judges through a judge. Verse 11. And there came an angel of the Lord and sat under an oak, which, is, which was an Ophrah that pertained unto Joash the Abbi Ezrite, and his son Gideon threshed wheat by the winepress, notice the next few words, to hide it from the Midianites. All right, we're going to see over and over, Gideon is not naturally brave. He is not naturally courageous. He is not naturally strong. Here, before God, when God meets him, he's threshing wheat and he's hiding it from the Midianites. Truth is, I would be doing the same thing, knowing that bands of marauders are going to come and probably kill me for my wheat or my barley as wheat here. You know, I'd probably be hiding it too. But the point is, he is hiding it. I'm not casting stones at him for sure, but I'm just saying that's what he's doing. Verse 12, And the angel of the Lord appeared unto him and said unto him, The Lord is with thee, thou mighty man of valor. Now, I just, I just finished saying to the contradiction of the text of Scripture that he is not naturally a strong man, not naturally a courageous man. And here, the Lord comes along and says the exact opposite of what I just said. You know, sometimes... Sometimes God speaks to us as His people now in terms of what we are with Him rather than what we are naturally. In other words, when God says this to Gideon, Gideon is not, is not valiant. He's not courageous. He is a weak, fearful person. He is not, he's not brave. But God speaks to him. We know what Gideon's going to do. He's going to lead an army of 300 against 135,000. That's what he's going to do. Now, just as, as a comparison with current events, they say, the intelligence said, if, you, if it's to be believed, that there were 180,000 Russian soldiers on the border of Ukraine before they invaded Ukraine. 180,000. This is 135,000, okay, the Midianites. So, it's, it's bravery, but God speaks to Gideon not as he is, but as he will be or would be 
when his faith was active. But at this point, it's not. And I think God does that to us sometimes. He says things, sometimes the Lord speaks to us in language that when, when we hear it, sometimes often in the Bible we hear it, and God tells us of, of, of the things about ourselves now. And we ask ourselves, is he talking about me? Because that's not me at all. The Bible refers to us as a holy nation, a peculiar people. But sometimes we look at ourselves and we're not holy. And we see all the, all the shortcomings in our life and we see how that we fall short and we do not do God's will in every case. We're, we're certainly, how many of you would raise your hand and say, I am holy? But God says, you're a holy nation. That's what he says. Why does God speak to us in terms that, that we are something that we, we don't feel like we are? I think, he does it to, I think he does it to encourage us. And he says to Gideon, thou mighty man of valor. He's not that, but he will be. But he will be by faith. You see, he will be by faith. I, I don't, I, I hesitate to write this stuff down I, when I was making my notes here because I'll be honest with you, I don't want to go away from this service with everybody thinking this was like a feel-good kind of message, a, you know, kind of lift yourself up by your bootstraps and, you know, there's a wonderful plan for your life or whatever. The reality is Gideon's faith was real and his faith overcame a great deal of shortcomings. And God spoke to him in the potential that Gideon had by faith. That's what I'm saying. Because what we are now is, what, is not what we shall be. And even for you and for me, if what we are in 2022, I sure hope is not what we will be in 2032. I hope that in 2032, we will have, by faith, accomplished some things for God and made some conscious decisions as Pastor Stewart often says, intentional decisions to live for God and walk with God and, and do right in the sight of God by faith. And we'll have won some victories by faith. I'm talking about in our life. And, had, and possibly some of us in the next little bit of time will have, have had to have, will have made some difficult decisions that were unpleasant but right, by faith. Because making decisions by faith is not always happy. It's not always fun. It's not always easy. In fact, probably the opposite. Because what you have with any decision, any action you take by faith, there's this thing called the faith gap. Some of you might know what I'm talking about. But the Lord doesn't, doesn't, doesn't close it. You have to exercise faith where you don't know exactly how it's going to go. You have to trust him. But it encourages us when God speaks to us, not as we are, but as we shall be. When God says we're holy, he says we're this, we're that, he does that as an encouragement to us. I know it encourages me. Now, let's keep going in the story of Gideon. 
Of course, Gideon in verse 13 says, And Gideon said unto him, O my Lord, if the Lord be with us, why then is all this befallen us? And where be all his miracles which our fathers told us of, saying, Did not the Lord bring up us up from Egypt? But now the Lord hath forsaken us and delivered us into the hands of the Midianites. And the Lord looked upon him and said, Go in this thy might, and thou shalt save Israel from the hand of the Midianites. Have not I sent thee? So God says plainly what he's going to do with Gideon. How does Gideon respond? Verse 15. And he said unto him, O my Lord, wherewith shall I save Israel? Behold, my family is poor in Manasseh, and I am the least in my father's house. And the Lord said unto him, Surely I will be with thee, and thou shalt smite the Midianites as one man. This is time number two that God has plainly told Gideon what he will do through him. And he said unto him, If now I found grace in thy sight, then show me a sign that thou talkest with me. Depart not hence, I pray thee, until I come unto thee, and bring forth my present, and set it before thee. And he said, I will tarry until thou come again. So the angel of the Lord tarries there. Gideon prepares a, a, a meat offering, which is food and drink, and brings it and sets it on the rock. And the angel puts forth his rod, touches the rock, and fire comes out of the rock and burns the offering, which is to, to show that the offering was accepted. Okay? Verse 25. And it came to pass the same night, now, now listen, the same night, Gideon made the offering. He's like, oh no, God's going to kill me, but God's not going to kill him. That same night, God says, he, now he's encouraged him with his words. He said, you're a great man of valor. I'm going to save Israel by the Midianites. I'm going to save Israel by your hand from the Midianites. And then verse 25, look what it says. And it came to pass the same night that the Lord said unto him, Take thy father's young bullock, even the second, the second bullock of seven years old, and throw down the altar of Baal that thy father hath, and cut down the grove that is by it. And build an altar unto the Lord thy God upon the top of this rock in the, in the ordered place, and take the second bullock and offer a burnt sacrifice with the wood of the grove, which thou shalt cut down. Then Gideon took ten men of his servants and did as the Lord had said unto him. That is key. And, it, and so it was, because he feared his father's household, that the men of the city, and the men of the city, that he could not do it by day, that he did it by night. Okay. So, God tells Gideon. Now again, God tells Gideon he's going to deliver Israel by his hand from the Midianites. But before that can happen, there's a problem. There's a problem in Gideon's life and in his family. And listen, and by faith, Gideon needs to make some decisions. Now hear me. By faith, Gideon needs to make some decisions because some things are out of order. And this is often the way the Lord works. You see, God had to have the preeminent place in Gideon's life. He had to be number one. He, God had to be above any family consideration that Gideon had. His own father is an idolater. His own father is practicing the very sins that brought this judgment upon Israel that Gideon's going to save them from. There is a problem in his house. And God gives him a test. Now here's what Gideon has. Just like all of us, Gideon has the Word of God. 
God said in verse chapter 6, verse 25, And it came to pass the same night that the Lord said unto him, and then the Lord tells him to tear down the altar and to cut down the grove, which is a, like a, a grove of trees that was, that was used in idolatrous worship. God tells him to do that. Now the question, here's the decision that must be made with Gideon. He has God's word. God has already encouraged him. God has told him of what he's going to do in the future. But now he's faced with a decision where he has to go against his family at God's word. He has to make a decision where he has to, he has to make a difficult call. And if he makes that choice, there's going to be some bad repercussions. That's what I just got done saying, right? Not everything we, we, not every move we make by faith is always going to be fun and happy. We like that. We like to, to make that, to step out by faith and act upon what God tells us to do in His Word, which is what Gideon had, the Word of God, just like we have in the Scripture. We act upon that and we hope for a good result. But just like in Hebrews 11 that we got done reading, what all of those people in the second half of that passage that we read, not the first half, but the second half, did they have a good result as a result of their faith and their acting upon faith? No way. They were sawn in half. They were killed. They were tortured. Why? Faith. You see? So God tells Gideon, this is what I want you to do. It's a test. It's a little test. This is a much smaller issue than going to war with 135,000 soldiers. But this is the first step, you see. So God tells him to do something. Gideon is afraid. Gideon is afraid. But here's what I want you to see. By faith, Gideon obeyed. I just want you to understand. By faith, Gideon obeyed. So here's the, here's the, here's the, or, the scriptural order of faith. Here it is, all right? First, faith doesn't originate in us. It originates in God's Word, right? So number one, God gives us His Word. Now, in Gideon's case, God was speaking to him through an angel of the Lord. But in our case, we have the Scripture. This is God's Word, okay? So we have God's Word. When we embrace God's Word, we, and there is a conscious choice to embrace God's Word, but when we embrace God's Word, we receive it, that's faith. And then out of that faith, and because of that faith comes obedience. When we make that act by faith to obey what the Lord said, you see, obedience by faith. That is a, it is a scriptural principle found throughout the Bible. Listen, if you are going, if you and I are going to do what God wants us to do as found in the Bible, we have to do it by faith. If we're going to raise our kids right, according to the Scripture, we have to do it by faith. He said it. We say, God knows best. I can't see the future or the outcome of this. I'm raising my kids as, as maybe a young family. I'm, I don't know how they're going to turn out. 
All I know is this is what God says to do, and I'm going to do what He said to do. That's an act by faith. That's obedience by faith. And then the result of that comes later. But you see, in the span of time between the time you know what God wants you to do and you see the fruit of it, that's the faith gap. You can't see the result of it immediately. It might be a job where you have to be honest when others are not being honest. And you might take a hit in the short term as a result of that. You might get fired. I'm not going to stand here and tell you that everything's going to go well and you're going to get a raise and you're going to end up as the CEO of the company. You might get fired. Every time we have the Word of God, we read it, we know God's will. We know what He wants us to do. And based upon that, we act. In obedience, that is obedience through faith. That's all Hebrews 11 is. It doesn't mean that somehow we're good people because we obeyed. No, we're not. We're not at all. We're weak people. And even when we did obey, we were scared to death. We were not inclined to obey. We didn't know what to do. We didn't know how to do it. We weren't courageous. We weren't bold but we obeyed by faith. Okay. But there's one, pa- there's one thing I want to point out to you in Romans chapter 10, if you would. Hold your place here because we will come back here. Romans chapter 10. There's one point of faith that bears, it, 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 just, it just needs to be stated. Romans 10, verse number 15. Romans 10, verse number 15. The Bible says this, And how shall they preach except they be sent? As it is written, How beautiful are the feet of them that preach the gospel of peace and bring glad tidings of good things. Now listen to verse 16. But they have not all obeyed the gospel. Okay, stop. There's a lot of cults and false religions that use this phrase, obey the gospel, wrongly. What they say it means is they say to obey the gospel means join our religion and follow all the commandments that we tell you until you die. That is obey the gospel, according to them. But keep reading. But they have not all obeyed the gospel. What does that mean? For Esaias, that's Isaiah, saith... Lord, who hath believed our report? So then faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. So what do you have here? Remember the order of faith. You have the word of God. That's the origin. Our embracing of that word, faith, and then our acting upon that word, obedience. Obedience by faith in what God said, right? In verse 16, he says, Lord, who hath believed our report? The report is the word of God. Because the next verse says, so then faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. You see, that's the origin of faith, the word of God. So you have the word, you believe the word, and because you believe the word, you obeyed the gospel. The gospel is that Christ died for our sins 
according to the scripture, that he was buried and that he rose again the third day according to the scripture. That is the gospel. How do you obey it? To obey the gospel is to obey the imperative of the gospel, which is repent and believe the gospel, right? To appropriate what Jesus Christ did on the cross and his resurrection to me for my forgiveness of sin. That's what it means to obey the gospel. But you obey the gospel by faith. You understand? That's what these verses are saying. They have not all obeyed the gospel. Many people had heard the gospel, but they had not received the gospel by faith. They had heard the word, they knew the truth, and they had not received the gospel by faith. They had not obeyed it. And when you don't repent of your sin and believe the gospel and believe on Christ, you are living in disobedience to the gospel and you are risking your very soul. But to obey the gospel means to receive it by faith because scriptural obedience is upon faith. The word of God, faith, obedience. So I just want to ask real quick, have you obeyed the gospel? Have you obeyed the gospel? Now, going back to Gideon, in Judges chapter 6, we'll skip ahead a little bit. So what does Gideon do in verse 27? He takes his servants, 10 men of his servants, and the Bible says in verse 27 of chapter 6, he did as the Lord had said unto him. So what did he do? God told him to do something. He believed God's word, and therefore he? He what? He obeyed by faith, right? Now, but how did he do it? Now, this, this is funny. This is comical. Well, it's comical because I see myself in this. He did as the Lord had said unto him, and so it was, because he feared his father's household and the men of the city that he could not do it by day, that he did it by night. God told him to do it, but he didn't say what time of day. So Gideon, in fear, did it secretly. Pulled down the altar, cut down the grove of trees secretly. What does that tell us? That tell us, tells us this mighty man of faith, his faith was mingled with fear. He wasn't as brave as he seemed. He wasn't as courageous as he seemed, and he wasn't as fearless as he seemed. He was fearful. He was afraid to obey the Lord. Let, let me ask you, have you ever been in a point in your life Maybe you're not, maybe you're, maybe before you, you received Christ. Many people, listen, many people don't receive Christ. They do not trust in Christ and they risk their soul out of fear. That was me. I know it happens because it at least happened with me. I know, I'm sure it happens with other people too. They're afraid of other people, what other people might think. For me, my wife and I have had, we had the same affliction. Before, when we, because we were already church members and all that, we, when, when, it, when, when the Lord started to show us that we were not truly converted, we did not have the marks of a true believer, it troubled us. 
But we didn't want to actually say that we were one of those people, that we were, we were lost. What would people think? Fear of man. You see that? Fear. And at some point, faith and fear, they, they can't abide together forever. At some point, either fear overcomes faith or faith overcomes fear. And a lot of people, listen, a lot of people remain in their sin and risk their soul, as I've said, out of fear. What will happen? And their fear hinders their faith, and so they don't believe. But even for Christians, even for believers in Christ, children of God, how many of you have ever been afraid to obey the Lord by faith? And this doesn't have to be, this doesn't have to be, well, I, I was afraid when the Lord said, go to the mission field, I was afraid of, uh, no, it doesn't have to be something that grandiose. It can be something very small, very minor, very common. The decisions we make on a daily basis, but we, we pass off those decisions that we know are God's will. We know God wants us to do it because of fear. And in that way, we're a lot like Gideon. But if you are going to believe God, to obey Him, if you're going to act in faith like Gideon did, you're going to receive God's Word, and you're going to obey God's Word by faith, you are probably going to have to do it with a little bit of trembling, a little bit of hesitation, a little bit of, uh, a little bit of fear. Gideon feared. And of course, we know it didn't turn out very well in verse 28 down through verse number 32. A lot of people got angry. And of course, in verse 33, And all the Midianites and the Malachites and the children of the east were gathered together and went over and pitched in the valley of Jezreel. But the Spirit of the Lord came upon Gideon, and he blew a trumpet, and Abi Ezer was gathered unto him, and he sent messengers throughout all Manasseh, who also was gathered after him, and he sent messengers unto Asher and unto Zebulun and unto Naphtali, and they came to meet him. And Gideon said unto God, If thou wilt save Israel by mine hand, as thou hast said, stop. God's already told him two or three times. And God came through for him in one, one event dealing with his family. And now he's doubting. Look at chapter 7. Gideon's got, he, he's got his army reduced down to, from 30-something thousand to 300. In verse 9 of chapter 7 it says, And it came to pass the same night that the Lord said unto him, Arise, get thee down into the host, for I have delivered it into thy hand. This is like number three or number four that God has said, I am going to do this for you. But he has not fully yet embraced that. He's heading that way tentatively. His obedience is, his faith is tentative, fearful. That's not what you read in Hebrews 11. You read of great faith, people known for faith. But when we read the, the narrative, we see, well, he was a lot, lot more like me than I thought. Weak, fearful. But it says in Hebrews 11, does it not? Out of weakness was made strong. Waxed valiant. That means be, became valiant, whereas before he wasn't. Verse 10. But God in his goodness, chapter 7, verse 10, is patient with doubt. God is patient with fear. Hear me now. God is patient with our doubts and our fears and our tremblings 
and our tentativeness and our hesitation. Because it is his nature to be patient. He knows who we are. That doesn't make it good, but it does make God good, right? He knows our fear. He knows when, we're, when we stumble and when we hesitate, when we should obey fully, without fear. But he sees the fear in our heart. When we should obey him, but we hesitate, he knows why. He knows why some people don't believe in Christ. He knows the fear of that and why that fear hinders them. He knows, he knows the fear of the Christian who must, listen now, who wants to get married but must wait on a Christian mate. And that's a real struggle, especially in Cambodia when there's far fewer Christians to, as options. It takes a great deal of faith to not marry an unbeliever which is scriptural. You see, I'm just trying to show you examples of that. But in, in a thousand ways, this comes up in our life. But God is patient. How many times? You got the fleece. We didn't read the part about the fleece. You got the fleece. You got God repeating himself over and over to Gideon. And then finally, at the very end, right before the battle, in verse 10, the Bible says, but if thou fear to go down, Go thou with Pura thy servant down to the host, and thou shalt hear what they say. And afterwards shall thine hands be strengthened to go down into the host. And that's when he went down and eavesdropped at the host of Midian, and he heard a dream someone was recounting where the dream was that Gideon would, would win the battle. Why did God do that for him? Because God is patient when our faith is hindering, hindered by doubt and fear, he's patient. And he works with us. And he reiterates. And he works in our heart. And usually it's up until such a time that we harden our heart. That's usually when the Lord starts to turn the pressure up. Up to this point, Gideon has not hardened his heart. He's just, he's afraid. He's just not brave. You know, would God that we, each one of us, would have a healthy sense of humility, right? And would view ourselves as really fearful and, and weak. You see, because when Gideon trusted in God to do this thing, at that, from that moment, from the moment he trusted in God and obeyed, from that moment forward, God did everything else. In the battle here, 135,000, Gideon didn't even lift his sword. He just stood there. God did everything. <clears throat> Remember when Peter was on the water and he got out of the boat? Let's look at that real quick as we close. Look at uh, Matthew chapter 14. Matthew 14, verse number 22. It says this, And straightway Jesus constrained his disciples to go into, the, into a ship and to go before him unto the other side while he sent the multitudes away. And when he had sent the multitudes away, he went up into a mountain apart to pray. And when the evening was come, he was there alone. 
but the ship, so they're on the, on the sea in the ship at the command of Christ. But the ship was now tossed in, in the midst of the sea, to, uh, was in, now in the midst of the sea, tossed with the waves, and the wind was contrary. And the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went unto them, walking on the sea. And when the disciples saw him walking in the sea, they were troubled, saying, is, It is a spirit. And they cried out for fear. But straightway Jesus spake unto them, saying, Be of good cheer, it is I. Be not afraid. And Peter answered him and said, Lord, if it be thou, bid me to come unto thee on the water. That's quite, that's quite a bit of faith, I would say. And he said, come. And when Peter was come down out of the ship, he walked on the water to go to Jesus. But when he saw the wind boisterous, he was afraid. And beginning to sink, he cried, saying, Lord, save me. And immediately Jesus stretched forth his hand and caught him and said unto him, O thou of little faith, wherefore didst thou doubt? This is a grand passage of faith and doubt. But here's, what, here's the only reason I read it. Peter had great faith when he got out of the ship to walk to Jesus at the Lord's command. So he had the word of God, faith, action. While he's out there, he begins to sink. That's doubt. And Jesus says in verse 31, O thou of little faith, wherefore didst thou doubt? You know what you see here? You see faith mixed with doubt. But just because you doubt and just because you fear does not mean it should prevent you from acting in faith. Oftentimes, acting in faith, be it for good or for ill, acting in faith means doing what God says because you believe what He says and you believe it's right and it's His will but you're afraid, and you do it anyway. You're unsure of the future, but you do it anyway. Your faith overcomes your fear. It doesn't mean the fear is not there. But you do it anyway. That's what Gideon did, and that's the example of faith. And that is the courageous faith of Gideon. And that is what made him a valiant man in God's sight. It was not natural bravery. It was not natural bravery. None of us have that. It was faith in God. Let's pray together.